Welcome to the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood alongside John Paul Basham. Yo! We are excited for another episode with you. I can't wait to introduce our guest. Uh, has been on the podcast one time previously, and I'm super stoked to have him back, but uh, I'm going to leave you hanging for just a minute as I ask you to uh, leave that rating and review, if you would. We love to see your stars. We love to see your words because we want to make this podcast better for you. And when you do that, it also helps people find the podcast when they search for student ministry related podcasts on your platform of choice. And I don't know what platform of choice that is, but we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So thanks for doing that. We really appreciate it. Uh, and without further ado, I would love to introduce our uh, guest today. He goes by Susie Live on Twitch and all other socials, uh, S-O-U-Z-Y, Live. So you can connect with him uh, in all of those places. It's going to be a great conversation today and one that I think will inform your online ministry and what you're trying to do because uh, he's been doing online ministry for six, seven, eight decades. Are we at a decade now? Six years, six years. Six years. <laughs> yeah, six years. Been doing online ministry. Uh, so it goes by Susie Live on Twitch, but is also the pastor of God Squad Church uh, that he uh, started uh, from scratch and has been an online church and is now uh, moving into some physical location opportunities into uh, the future. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us. I'm honored to be here, Ben and the team. Thanks so much for having me back. I appreciate it. Yeah. So it's been so it's been about two years since you've been yep. on. Uh, so oh, I would wow. love, man, fill us in on what God's been doing in the church uh, and what uh, God's been doing through your Twitch channel uh, as you've been trying to reach gamers for Christ. Yeah. So it's been about two years. So Ben, honest, I don't even remember if last time we spoke, I'm not sure if I had hit partnership yet on Twitch. I'm not sure if I had yet. But that was probably one of the biggest things that has happened since I've been on last. And for those that are watching or listening that don't understand what that is, Twitch partnership is a milestone for broadcasters to achieve on the platform. And Twitch is a platform owned by Amazon where people go in and they watch a live streamer play a video game. So they're not playing, they're watching someone else and they can talk and interact with the streamer in real time. And today, in today's world, there's about 16 million broadcasters on the platform. And to that is so crazy. It's insane. It's, and it's only going up because of COVID, but there's about <laughs> 16 million broadcasters. And to achieve partnership is the top 0.007% of all broadcasters. Wow. And so we give God glory for that. Congratulations. It's, it's a crazy opportunity because by getting partnership, it's the verified badge. It allows you to have opportunities and connections and really it opens doors for you and for me to minister to these prestigious streamers that really no one else has access to. So for me, it's a mission field and it gives me the key to unlock that door to connect with people that otherwise I wouldn't be able to. And so since I believe Ben was with you last, we've achieved that, which is a huge milestone. Awesome. We had been working towards that. I think it took me four years of streaming basically full time. I'm like 40, 50 hours a week to hit. So it took a long time, a lot of effort. And since then, we've been able to go to the events like TwitchCon, which is a convention in California for TwitchCon every year. And then I'm able to go into those VIP partner lounges and sit down and have conversations with these people that have influence over thousands and thousands and thousands of people. If we can reach them, they can reach the world. Yeah. Their influence far surpasses ours. And so that was a huge milestone that we give God thanks for, which was just 
absolutely incredible. And since then, our online community just it's just been continuing to grow, reaching souls for Christ, getting them plugged into our church. We've seen people water baptized, getting plugged into online experience groups, like small groups, many churches do. And I mean, just continuing with the same old, same old, but it never gets old to reach people for Christ. It yeah. never gets old making disciples. It never gets old seeing people step into leadership positions that they never thought they had potential to do. And just earlier this year, as you can imagine, it got a lot more complicated than we thought it would be. But due to COVID, we launched our uh, physical location very differently than probably the way we <laughs> described it on the podcast two years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it looks a little bit different. We can get into that. But we've been just continuing to reach people. Our church has brought on three full-time staff members since then to help manage and lead and disciple and pastor the people online. And it's been an incredible experience past several years. And we're, we're honored that God would use us to make a small impact in a big world. Man, I love sure. the update. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, for listeners, like a peek behind the curtain here, like I've kept up with, uh, with Susie this whole time and uh, have been following his ministry. And so that's not news to me, but I wanted him to share that with you because I know last time he was on the podcast, um, some of these things that he just talked about were dreams. Yeah, uh, for sure. There were plans, there were goals, but they were dreams at the same time. And it's we wanted to celebrate that with a fellow brother in Christ and say, hey. man, like, that's awesome that God has been delivering on those dreams. And two, if you've never... Uh, I recognize that there are some of you that don't know what Twitch is and that's fine. And so I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that you gave the instruction there. I want to challenge you to go watch one of his streams, uh, twitch.tv slash Susie live. And what you're going to find is not someone who just says, I'm a Christian and I play games, but someone who actively pastors people through the stream. Like I can't tell you how many times I've been watching you and somebody puts something in the chat, I'm struggling with this, so-and-so in my family has just passed away, and you've stopped everything to take a moment to pray for them. Yeah. Uh, or when somebody follows your, you know, hits the follow button, right? We live in a social media world, so if you don't know <laughs> yeah. what Twitch is, you know what the follow button is, where someone will follow, and you'll stop and say, hey, I want you to know, I, I, I hope you know you're valued, you're loved, and that, like, that's what it's about. And yeah. so I, I, I want to set the stage here as we talk about this. He's a pastor of a church, streams full time to support his family, and, and, and those things collide together in pastoring. Um, but it's not just, hey, I'm a Christian who does this. Like one of the things I've appreciated about you over 30 months of, of, of being around your ministry is Thank that you, by the way. You, stop, you stop in the middle and you'll pastor people in the middle of that environment. Hmm. which doesn't happen. Uh, I don't know of another place on Twitch that it happens at that level. Probably, probably some of the other pastors that are on your staff that also do this, but that's yeah, what course. stands out to me. So here's the question uh, I, I want us to, to quickly dive into um, because, you know, student pastors that are listening to this and, and church leaders are like, okay, we get the gaming thing. Ben, you talk about gaming on the podcast all the time. <laughs> like you and producer Nate, we get it. Is this another gaming podcast? Uh, only slightly, but um, one of the things that, and this is, I think is a great conversation for us to have is you've been doing online ministry for six years yeah. and a lot of churches now, uh, are saying, okay, now we got to do online ministry. And so like, I know you, you have a staff, 
um, that pastors through an online environment, you have small groups that of people that meet from around the country yeah. that are finding community together. And so I think that's the specific place I'd like to start is how in an online environment, because I think this is a question that churches, even though we're like five months into COVID ministry right now, this is still a question that people are yeah. asking. How can I make sure that real connection is taking place through a digital environment. So I'd love to hear you talk about how you guys ensure that and what how, what you've seen God do in the midst of that. For sure. I think the first thing that I would encourage every, every church to hear is one online church is not a substitute or a Band-Aid because COVID has arrived, right? Mm. Online church was of the devil until COVID hit. And now, now all of a sudden it's, you know, it's the new fad. It's the new trend. And a you're lot so of, right though. It's like the truth. I'm just preaching the truth, brother. <laughs> it's like one day it was of the devil. The next day it's the greatest thing the Lord's ever given us. Right. And I, and I say that lightly, obviously we're having fun, but I think it opened up a lot of people's eyes to realize there's validity to it. But I think we're still in a time where people are viewing it as a substitute. I'll do this while COVID is here. Then when COVID is gone, we're going to abandon it and go and go back to normal. I really do not believe God's purpose through this season is to just go back to where we were. We want to move forward, getting better, doing new things, being more creative, more innovative. And so I think for churches that are looking to make connection, you have to first make that decision of, Hey, we're going to go all into this. This is not a band-aid or a substitute. This is an in addition to what we are doing. I think a few things in terms of connection is one understanding that you are not replacing your church. You are expanding your church. Mm. And that's crucial because what people are doing right now is they're reaching new people for Christ online. But their plan is already to go back to the physical location and completely ixnay and disregard the online church. So, Ben, when you ask the question about connection, if you have not made a decision that we're in this for the long haul, what you're deciding is I'm going to reach people for Christ online during COVID. And then when COVID's over, I'm going to abandon those people. Mm. So right there, I mean, connection's out the window. Connection yeah. is already gone if those people are temporarily part of your online church that we're already planning on shutting down once all this is better. And so that's really the first step. But creating an online church that has deep connection, I'll be honest, is incredibly difficult. I believe this about online church, that to do online church uh, easily, to do online church in a mediocre way is incredibly easy. Slap a camera in the back of the room, let people watch. If you've ever done any church metrics online, they look super impressive. Oh, we had 3,000 people tune in today. Yeah, they all watch for 1.7 seconds each, right? There's no, there's no connection there, right? Yeah. To do church online in a mediocre way is easy, but to do church online well and effectively is incredibly difficult hmm. because how do you take people who are disconnected physically and keep them connectedly connected emotionally and spiritually. Yeah. That then is the conversation we're having today. The yeah. conversation about how do we connect these people? And I think some real practical things that we've done that I think are on the easier side and they'll get into some of the things that are more difficult are things like online small groups. I think honestly, that's super easy. Most people today have access to either a computer, even laptops have built-in webcams. And even if not, you've everyone's got a cell phone. In today's age, I mean, these are no longer smartphones because nobody has dumb phones anymore. Like this, is, this yeah. is the only type of phone in today's world. Like there's no more <laughs> smart TVs, there's just TVs. 
<laughs> and so everyone's got a phone with a camera, with a microphone. Most people have AirPods nowadays. There's so much opportunity to be able to create online small groups. We call them experience groups. And I think that they're, again, not just a Band-Aid during COVID because there are so many churches that you could really be expanding your small group ministry by offering mm -hmm. them online as well. Because, I mean, life's busy. You got families, kids. Not everyone can make a 7 p.m., uh, you know, 7 p.m. small group. Some people might be able to do like, hey, it's probably not my preference, but if I'm going to commit to a small group, for some people, the only time I can do is 6.30 in the morning. I haven't brushed my teeth yet. You can't see that I'm actually wearing pajama pants on my bottoms, <laughs> but it's the only time that we're going to get together, but I'm not going to drive to your house at 6.30 in the morning. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to drive to the location at 6.30 in the morning. At 10 o'clock at night, we have small groups that start at 10.30 p.m. because that's the only time it works for some people. Kids are in bed, spend a little time with the wife. Now it's time for me to grow in my faith. But again, I'm not going to drive to your house, Ben, at 10.30 p.m. And for some people, they might want to meet physically in person. But for some people, their schedule might not allow. And so even post-COVID, post online small groups are huge. It's very easy to post a, a, you know some kind of curriculum in the chat, go through a book together, turn those videos on, and stay connected the best way that you can. Online pastoral care is huge, 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 huge. And again, it's in addition to, we've been able to video FaceTime people while they're in the waiting room or literally about to go into surgery that you wouldn't be able to go to in person. Like yeah. there's a point, even at the hospital, you're not allowed past this point, pastor, but my phone is allowed past this point and yeah. I can FaceTime, I can call, I can chat message. And there's so many opportunities that you can do with online church and pastoral care. At the end of the day, sure, physical touch and physical contact in person is super important, but oftentimes people don't remember what you said. They remember the way you made them feel. And that can still be accomplished online. It can still be accomplished. Right now, there are going to be lots of people whose lives we pray will be impacted by this podcast. But we're not sitting in the same room as them. Yeah, that's they, right. I don't, even, I don't even know if you guys offer like a video format. But for a lot of people, they can't even see us, right? They're just yeah. listening. But it doesn't mean that the words we're saying are, are less impactful. And so for us, two of the ways that we found for deep connection is through online pastoral care and through online small groups because they're, they're so easy to do and they allow you to really have that connection throughout the week rather than a, hey, we'll see you next Saturday or we'll see you next Sunday. It's a way to keep people connected in a way that sh still shows authentically, hey, we care about you and we're going to take the time to be there for you. Man, I love the way that you talk about this. And it's so clear that you've been doing it this way. It's, you know, just like you said, you've kind of done it backwards. You've been in the online space and are just yeah. now transitioning to um, some level of physical space. Although I know you're going to maintain that online space. Yeah, for sure. Um, but to hear you talk about it versus hearing someone who is just now stepping into the online space, the there's a there's a clear difference in perspective where a lot of church leaders that that are used to everybody coming to the church and having that physical programming they're worried about the access that they don't have hmm. when they're looking at online church and thinking 
man, there's no way to do discipleship because we're not right next to each other. And I don't have the personal conversations that I used to have because I'm not seeing people and you know we're not in the same place. And you're saying, no, wait a minute. You have so much more access if yeah, you more than ever leverage these pieces of access and these opportunities. Like, man, I've never thought about the hospital thing. Uh, and 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 you just continue to multiply that out. All the times that people could not get together because of whatever circumstances, you have, I mean, countless opportunities for a connection. And I think, and yeah. I, I, I would assume you would agree, some of that is just kind of vision casting for your people that yeah. access for us together looks a little different, but let's dive in together and find those, expose those connection points where we can connect here and here and here and here. And this is how I'm going to pastor you in these new ways. But let's yeah. not look at them as, like you said, the Band-Aid. Like, this isn't a hindrance to our ministry when we're finding a workaround. This can be a, like blowing the door wide open yep. to what we're doing, kind of an opportunity. It allows you to go to places you've never been. It allows you to do things you've never done. And honestly, it'll, for me, I find it incredibly uh, just time effective in the sense of like, sometimes, I mean, you'll be in meetings, driving between meetings over and over and over again. And now half your day was spent in the car when it could have been spent reaching people. It could have been spent in more meetings. It could have been spent, you know, take out the commute and now you can, you can do more. Now I'm not saying those things are bad. Some meetings should be had in person. And obviously we're not going to completely get rid of those, but by just making the online world not an option, I think we're losing out on an element of effectiveness that we could have gained by simply utilizing technology that God has given us. Technology is not the enemy. It is a gift of God, as long as it's being used in the proper ways, of course. I would love to uh, dive in a little bit into the practical and just over the years of doing online small groups, what are a couple things that rise to the top that you would say, okay, for, for this online small group to really connect and really, uh, really shine, these things have to happen. Uh, yeah. Because I know um, you're organized systems guy, like you, so what are, what are some of those things that you put into place to make sure those, those happen well? Well, one, I first, you know, I think first right off the bat, you want to keep a, a similar mentality like you would in person. They got to be small, right? It's very easy. Oh, well, we could, we could, man, we could fit so much. There's, there's no walls and there's no seating capacity. We could fit a bunch <laughs> of people. Yes, but as soon as you do that, you guys know you start losing some of that intimacy, right? Yeah. I think some, some similar practices in small groups, you want, you want there to be a familiarity with the people that are in the group. So they're building trust, they're building relationships. But I think some real practical tips are one, we always try to make sure that we're leading by example with the leaders, turning mic and camera on. It is very, very, it's very, very easy for you to just be like, oh, well, you know, I can just see everyone else and they can't see me. But the moment there's no camera, there's very little connection. And I know that this might seem like a no-brainer for some people, like a no big deal, but especially when you as a person don't have your camera on, it's very easy for you to be distracted, especially if you're a gamer and have a second monitor. It's very easy <laughs> for you to be scrolling. I mean, we just do it mindlessly, scrolling through social media, not really engaged in conversation. And even times, especially when you have no camera and no microphone, it really leaves the other people wondering, is this person even engaged? Are they even involved? Yeah. 
do they care about what I have to say? And that's mm. a big deal. That's a big deal because small groups are easier to start online. They can give off the very little commitment. It took very little commitment for me to get here. I didn't have to drive. I didn't really have to get ready. And so during the small group, you want to lead by example and encourage your groups to stay engaged. Obviously, we're not going to force people to turn their cameras on, but really be encouraged. Make that part of your culture. Hey, we got cameras on. We're smiling, right? COVID has taken away the world's ability to see each other smile. We don't need to wear face masks when we're doing online Zoom calls and, and Discord calls and things like that. So I think one, that's a very, very practical tip. Turn the mics on, keep the video on, and really create that to be a culture for, for all of the people in the group. One of the things we really, really do in our small groups is we want them to be personal. We don't want them just to be one person doing a teaching and then everyone leaves. Our discipleship pastor, uh, Winkari, Pastor Winkari, he does a three-thirds model. And he'll do the first third where they're really talking to each other. Hey, how was the week? You know, how was your devotional life where you're staying connected with God? The second third, they look up. They look towards God's word. They're Whether it's a book they're reading, a verse. And then third, third, they look ahead. Hey, what are our goals for this week? What are we looking to do? What do we want to do? And it's very, very personal. Yeah. And that has to happen through the conversation because, again, we're not, we're not hugging, we're not near each other. So there's a lack of a personal touch that is already instantly removed. Like let's not pretend like a Zoom call is the same as sitting next to your brother and putting your arm around him. They're not, right. they're not the same. And so how do we do everything we can to make sure that they're staying personal? And I think a lot of that happens through being intentional with conversation. We need to be checking in on each other. We didn't just come here to learn, we came here to connect. We came here to connect with each other. That means I'm talking about your family. That means I'm talking about your children, your relationship with God. Because ideally you're a small group that's meeting together with the same people, you're learning to trust one another. So I'm gonna ask you the honest questions. Hey, how was your Devo life this week? Not in a sense of if you failed, I'm gonna condemn you, but all right, here's opportunity for growth. How can we get better next week? So I think yeah. one, turning the cameras on, keeping the group small, but making sure the content that you're discussing, make it content that causes people to connect. The conversations have to be even more personal online because you lose the personal touch. And you have to make up for that through the things that are being talked about. And then obviously, that this is probably a similar rule for all small groups. You don't want it to be too long either. You don't want yeah. to be too long, <laughs> right? You got to keep them short and sweet. So we normally do them for an hour. And some groups go for an hour and a half. It really depends on the group. But we we do our best to communicate up front. Hey, even though, sure, we're online. Hey, we're going to respect your time. We're going to do our best to make sure that these aren't going to go too long. And people seem to really connect with that. And it makes it more realistic for them to attend. Man, that's great. Uh, those I love the practical tips. I think those are things, student pastors, as you listen to this, those are things you can certainly implement. I loved the thirds model uh, in a simple, simple way to approach it. And I think something that you said that not a lot of people are thinking about when we think about going from people who are familiar with a physical location church to an online environment is what you said about the content. Yeah. That it's, we can't just do the same things and think the same results will happen. True. But because there is a proximity separation, yeah. a physical separation, that the, the content and the types of discussions we have to have have to be more person like they have to close that gap because the physical presence isn't there. I think that's great insight 
that a lot of student pastors, again, as you listen to this, um, pass to your discipleship pastors as, uh, you know, talk to, take that to staff meetings and saying, Hey, like maybe this, if this is your context, maybe if we're seeing engagement in our online small groups kind of slip, maybe it's because we're trying to do the same thing that works when they're in a physical location. And we actually need to push more personal. Yeah. Because that in, that physical engagement isn't there. I mean, I love that. Yeah, yeah. They they can just be way more personal. Just to add on that, like we've seen people, you know, open up about thing things in their lives that they they might have not said face to face. Because you know, Christians are the best people at putting on a face. They really are. And but the difference of being online is Ben right now, and, and maybe you'll be able to relate to this. And even the listeners, even though Ben, I see a video feed of you. You know, Nathan, I see a video feed of you. And sure, I'm looking you in the eye. But I'm less afraid to share some things because although I'm looking you in the eye, I'm not looking you in the eye. And so I feel, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go, go to places that I, I might feel embarrassed or, or a little nervous to say in person because there is a disconnect through proximity. There is, but that disconnect, use it to your advantage. Use that disconnect to your advantage to have those kind of deep conversations because I might not be willing to open up about something while there's a group of nine people staring right at me in a circle, but online where there's five, six, seven, eight, nine of us. And like right now, I'm not even looking at my camera. I'm looking at my monitor. And so I just, I maybe, maybe it's just me, but we've experienced this in the online world where we feel that disconnect and the disconnect actually works for us, not against us and allows us to have conversation we might not have had actually in person. You uh, talked about not going too long, and I expected you to be in like the 20 to 30 minute range when you say oh, no. not going too long. And what I, what I really appreciate is, and this goes with the, you know, the three thirds model. And I think a lot of ministries, and I mean, I, I have in, the recent past even recommended keeping things a little bit shorter because it's just not the same as sitting next to each other. But what you kind of expose there is, yeah, it's not the same. That doesn't mean that it has to be shorter necessarily than what your environment would have been before. Hmm. But it just means that more time needs to be dedicated to the personal. And I think that's a very important distinction because the time spent together really does contribute toward the discipleship value and the connectivity that's felt among the, the leader and those group members. And so when you only spend 20 minutes together, you know, once a week, every week in that kind of small group environment online that can create even more of a disconnect. And so I, yeah. I love that you're you're pressing into, no, we're still meeting for an hour. Some of us are meeting for an hour and a half, but we're just really diving into, instead of let's spend 10 minutes at the front doing prayer requests, and then we're going to spend the next 40, 50 minutes in the study of whatever yeah. we're doing. I love that you're diving into, no, let's, as much as we can, let's do life for a third of this time at least before we begin to dig into study. Yeah. So actually the, the three thirds model that our discipleship pastor introduced, actually the first and last third are all about being together. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually, there's more fellowship time than there is learning time. Yeah. But through the fellowship time, there's also discipleship happening. Sure. 
because there's great faith-based conversation. So I feel like in church, sometimes we get caught up on like, it's either secular or it's spiritual. Like we're either talking about Jesus or we're wasting our time. (laughs) And that's just not the truth. And, and Paul, you just, you just, John Paul, you're on such a great thought here about the, like, don't keep it, you know, too long, but one hour is a great time because I mean, think about it. You invite someone over for dinner at your house. I mean, you're talking two, three hours, like you're going to spend some solid time together, but then in small groups, we're like, oh man, 30 minutes, this is taking forever. And (laughs) we, we put such a low value on these great disciple making moments but right now, small groups that are going a little bit longer, in my opinion, are thriving because right now people are longing to be together more than ever, right? Yeah. It's that saying, you don't know what you have until you miss it. And now that the whole world's on lockdown and I mean, things are getting better, but we're still not the same we were that people are like, wow, this hour flew by. I mean, some of our groups, honestly, after the group is over, they'll just spend the next hour and a half just talking and hanging out and playing video games together. Like they don't, they don't want to leave. Yeah, and so I think longer right now within within limits, of course, yeah. longer right now is better because people are they're missing connection more than they ever were before. Well, now, I have to believe that that emphasis on that personal connection, on that life connection, and strategically discipling through what comes out in conversation contributes to bringing people back to those online small groups. Yep. Um, and which is a, a struggle that a lot of student pastors that we've talked to have had, you know, like, hey, we started off really strong. And then after some time, the Zoom groups just really waned. I went from having, you know, however many students in the group down to one or two or nobody's coming at all. How would you encourage a student pastor that's still in this season of doing these online groups and considering, you know, should I continue to do the online groups in the future? How would you coach them through keeping those students engaged in those groups and making them want to come back week after week? So obviously it's going to be different within every context, right? And even for us, this might sound counterintuitive, but even for us as an online church towards gamers, uh, believe it or not, we actually struggle to get people involved in a small group because even though gamers like live and breathe inside the gamer world, a lot of gamers not all, but a lot of them are introverted and shy. So to get them to join a personal thing like this is difficult. So every context is different. Yeah. Every person is different. So you might struggle with some of those, those, uh, you know, those online, those teenagers that don't really view online to be very serious. And you, you need to analyze the groups, the people that you're targeting, the culture of the people that you're reaching, like, there are certain youth groups that there's not many online people and hey, anything that's online is lame. You got to analyze your groups, but you also have to realize what is my group like? What is the content and the context of my group? You need to always got to go back to your strategy. If people are falling off my small groups, do I need to go back to the drawing board and ask, are my small groups offering value? Are they actually offering value? Are they creating that personal touch? Because if you're not creating a personal touch, I can get impersonal content anywhere in the internet. Yeah. I can go on YouTube and get impersonal content. That's, that's probably more interesting than, than this. I can get hilarious, life-giving, life-transforming, or just mindless cat videos, impersonal content <laughs> anytime that I want. So is this small group offering me more value than that other stuff that I'm already consuming. Our lives right now are so much online 
because of COVID that if your small group is not offering something that has more value, it reaches a point where we get bored of being on the internet. And we're like, well, I've yeah. had it. You need to offer a small group that has more value than the content. I mean, pe- teen- you're reaching teenagers. A lot of them are being homeschooled online video format. I'm sick of looking at cameras. I'm sick of Zoom calls, yada, 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 yada. You got to offer me more value. You got to yeah. offer me more value. And then Ben, I think that goes back to the personal touch. For teenagers, yeah. adding a little, little bit of fun. Maybe you've got some groups where, hey, maybe for the first 20 minutes, we play Fortnite together. And then we dive into the word of God, right? Anything that you can do to make it more interesting. Not, there's no general rule of thumb because the people that I'm reaching are probably very different than the type of people that you know the podcast listeners are reaching. But I think the thing to keep in mind is if people are falling off, falling out of those groups, really asking yourself the question, is the content that we're putting out there through a Zoom call, is it offering more value than the impersonal content they're already seeing mm-hmm. all over the internet? Man, that is such a good point. And podcast listeners, if you uh, listen week to week, then you're going to hear in two very different conversations last week's episode from Jason Gaston and this week's episode with Susie Live. Very different conversations. But I want to point out something to you that's a thread of consistency between those two conversations. And that is the personal connection has to be primary in this moment. And I would go on to say, not even in this moment, like if we're as pastors in a place where, man, it's time to return to the personal connection, um, one, that's good because that's where we should be in the first place. And two, if we're thinking return to the personal connection, then I would encourage you to evaluate holistically what's going on in ministry because that personal connection is the place where we have to live as pastoral leaders, whether we're online or whether we're in person, wherever we are, it has to be a personal connection. And I love where you've taken us today, Matt, and just showing us like, hey, impersonal content is everywhere. Everywhere. It's everywhere. It's called YouTube. And I think, man, (laughs) I think the distinction between impersonal content and what we should be delivering as the church in personal content that facilitates a personal connection is huge. Uh, I think that's really, really valuable. And I think this moment has given the church a tremendous opportunity to really show the world what personal connection looks like. Yeah. To, to actually be the example of, hey, we are going to be different because the content that we provide and what we talk about, like we're actually going to be the providers of personal connection, not just more noise. Yeah. All right. So I want to go around and give opportunity uh, for people to give last thoughts. So don't leave the podcast just yet. Uh, John Paul, last thoughts that you have? Man, the prevailing thought in my mind is just the perspective that you've given about the opportunity that there is through these uh, online church engagements, whatever that looks like, worshiping together, small groups together, accountability, uh, just that life-on-life connection that, uh, that can happen that I think a lot of times we have written off because it's not been the way we've done it in the past. You have yeah. really broadened my uh, expectations of what can be done 
with, with an online ministry. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Susie Live, we'll go to you for a last thought. Anything you have? I'd love to say two things. Uh, one, a thought to think over, and one, a practical tip for any pastors out there that would consider doing it. First, I would just really encourage you to be wary and careful of your terminology towards online church to your church. What I mean about that is when you're posing all these substitutes, Zoom calls, online small groups, online services, when you're posing them as a band-aid, what you're communicating to the church is these things aren't very good. We're just doing them because we don't have another choice. And what that does is you've already created the momentum and the energy that people feel towards it at a deficit. So when they're in your small groups, they're already feeling like, well, my pastor basically said, this is lame. And so we're just doing this because we have to, we don't have another option. So you're just not setting yourself up for success in those environments. A lot of people aren't watching your online service because you've really kind of communicated that it's it's just, eh. It, we're just doing this because we can't meet physically. And so if, if you want to watch this like, you know, this half wit, not very important service, you can if you'd like, but please send in your tithe. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're commu- at times you're making it harder for the people to get excited about something that you're communicating is not exciting. And so I definitely would encourage you to be weary of your mindset there. Two, this is something I've seen uh, happening in certain churches like VU Church uh, down in Miami, Florida. Something for pastors to consider that'll help themselves and help their congregation. There's lots of pros and cons to it, but when I throw out the idea out there that maybe you haven't heard, we haven't even experimented yet, but we are going to soon. What you can do is actually set up a TV in the back of your room that the pastor can see and invite all of your congregants to enter in a 100-person Zoom call video. And what that does is it allows everyone to feel like they're attending church together. We can see everyone. We're worshiping together. I can see them. And then for all of you pastors out there that are like, I cannot preach to an empty room. I'm losing my mind. You look over this big screen TV and you see 100 of your people that maybe you haven't seen in months. And now you're delivering the word of God. And Ben, I get to do it while looking you right in the face. And so lots of pros and cons to that. I'm sure you're thinking the same thing right now, but something to consider if you're looking for ways to help people stay connected, see each other during a service, worshiping God together, and also giving the preacher an opportunity to feel like he's not preaching to an empty room. Like I said, lots of pros and cons. We're going to experiment with it too, but just some food for thought while we're in this online church world. I love it. Well, Matt, I want to say thank you for taking the time My pleasure. to be with us and pour into people today. I also uh, want to make sure we tell people how to connect with you. I mentioned Susie Live, S-O-U-Z-Y, and that's uh, on all the socials Correct. and on Twitch. Yep. Um, any other places that they can connect with you? Yeah, I would encourage you guys. He's obviously giving the information about my personal live broadcast. You can catch me doing those live streams. Like you said, twitch.tv slash Suzy Live, where normally most mornings at about 8 a.m. I'll be doing a video game broadcast, playing games, telling people about Christ. But then over at twitch.tv slash God Squad Church, that is our official church live stream, where you're going to see very similar to what you're used to watching live music of worship, a message from God's word, except we just use video game culture and analogies to help teach the Bible. I would encourage you to check out our website, godsquadchurch.com. But besides that, God Squad Church is Susie Live. You'll be able to find us everywhere on all platforms there. Awesome. And uh, I would encourage you to go check it out. There was one day last week, I forget which day it was, but uh, jumped on for just a second. And I landed right in the middle of full on gospel presentation. Amen. 
and asking people in the chat, Hey, respond. If you, uh, if you want to talk more about this, if you just ask Jesus in your life, like, so again, I just want to reiterate, this isn't a situation where it's like, Hey, I'm a Christian and I do this actively sharing the love of God, actively sharing the gospel and how to have faith in Jesus, uh, through the, through the ministry there. So it's the real, real deal, man. Thanks for the work that you do to minister to gamers and to reach people. It's an honor. And, uh, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for the invitation. I appreciate it. All right. This has been another episode of the Lifeway Student Ministry Podcast. We'll see you next time.